This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ranch Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, back in studio by Barnabas Piper and Pipe. Uh, much like our boy Ron, I have been uh, I've been traveling for the last three weeks, so uh, my home studio here in Jackson feels a little bit foreign. Uh, I'm just getting back here, getting my bearings, but uh, I returned to civilization with some uh, some happy news awaiting me, Piper, and that is that uh, Johnny Manziel. Our favorite CFL quarterback, um, star of the Manziel Minute here on the program, uh, was traded from the Hamilton Tiger Cats to the Montreal Alouettes. So uh, in addition to NFL training camp starting, we've got a big Manziel trade that we need to unpack. And uh, I I say we just can I just start by saying that those two team names trump anything part. Sorry, trigger warning. I use the word trump. Um, They they completely defeat any team name that the nfl has to offer dude they so do and i don't know what a tiger cat or an alouette is but the names are way cooler i think we've talked about how redundant tiger cat is that's like saying dog pit bull you know um yeah but i I do love it and I, i can tell you this too unless you've in case you haven't watched a lot of cfl this year i'm not making any assumptions one way or the other but uh those two teams have magnificent uniforms and I think those two teams' uniforms would – they would be top fivers if they were in the NFL. So uh, tip of the cap to the CFL, to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Montreal Alouettes for pulling off an interesting trade here midseason. Um, Manziel was kind of languishing on the bench behind uh, a guy named Jeremiah Masoli there in Hamilton who was playing uh, really pretty good football. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL in the, in the back half of last season. So um, it was a weird log jam in their quarterback room. Uh, to his credit, Manziel said all the right things about about the Hamilton experience. You know, uh, got along well with Masoli. Uh, was happy to be there. Enjoyed working with June Jones and his staff. But he is off to Montreal. Uh, Montreal Pipe, just for a little context, has been the most abysmal team in the CFL for the last two or three years. They've just been really, really. So bad. what you're saying is the man who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns is now going to the Montreal Browns. He basically is. He's going to the Montreal Cleveland Browns. However, uh, I have become sort of a Montreal fan this year, um, in part because of their sweet uniform, but in part because I sensed that they were going to trade for Manziel. So I've been following Montreal. And I I have to tell you, their roster isn't as bad as as it appears at first glance. So uh, I think Montreal is trending in the right direction. They have some players on their team that that I really enjoy watching. And I uh, I think it's Manziel could be an interesting catalyst for that team in terms of opening up their offense. And quarterback was really – it was one of these trades where quarterback was really the weak link for them. Um, they they kind of had nobody at that position going into the season, and uh, they needed to make a move of some kind. So, Which, which and, is to say they were doomed because <clears throat> like you can get away in other sports with not having a star at a position. You can't get away right. in football without having a good quarterback. Dude, right, unless you're completely loaded everywhere else like the – you know, like the Jacksonville Jaguars. So yes, you know, they're, they're a player. <laughs> it does, it does happen. <laughs> Dude. Right. So they, they were literally one or two plays from going to the Super Bowl this last season. You know, we were one or two plays away from, you know, Blake Bortles beating Tom Brady in a championship game. And, and, you know, so I think, I think Jacksonville is kind of trying to work that model, but in a league that's so spread out and so pass heavy, 
um, you know, not having a, you know, a guy back there who can really pull the trigger on a consistent basis. Uh, Montreal was just, they were, they were hamstrung by that. So, so pipe, let me explain this trade as a, as a CFL fan, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to unpack this for you. And, uh, then we can talk about maybe which team got the better of this trade. So Montreal sent, um, their elite pass rusher, Jamal Westerman, who was in the league for a little while. Westerman's interesting in that he's actually a Canadian national. So he's a Canadian national. He played um, for a little while in the league. I think he played for Dallas and Green Bay. Um, he's been in Montreal as one of the top three or four pass rushers in the league. So um, they gave he, up did he go to did he go to college in the states or did he play like at <clears throat> University of Toronto or Ontario or some of those? Because you know there there are there are some collegiate football teams in Canada that they don't you know they're not they don't get any publicity but they're around was he a would he a stateside guy he was a stateside guy so I'm actually looking it up right now okay so he played in Buffalo he played for the Jets um he had a brother who went to eastern Michigan uh who's also on the Montreal Alouettes but Jamal Western played at Rutgers um so he's 6'2 257 he's 33 um interesting thing about the CFL pipe they kind of let players go longer, and a lot of their best players are older, which is an interesting thing to me. I think the, I think the NFL has a little bit of an age bias in that, like, if you're 25 and you haven't, you know, become a star or a starter, like they pretty much give up on you. But but Westerman's 33; he's probably one of the best pass rushers in the CFL. So um, I think it's an interesting league in that there's something to be said for, you know, letting a guy kind of mature into the athlete that he's going to become. So. Uh, Westerman goes to Hamilton, so he will immediately bolster their pass rush. And what's interesting about it is he gives them a real interesting chess piece in that at any given time in the CFL, you have to have a certain number of Canadians on the field versus a certain number of Americans. So it's called the ratio. Um, is that a so rule? It is a rule. Yeah. So if, Boy, if, this, light- if this was the United States, they would get, I mean, just some, some, I realize the entirety of Canada is left-leaning, but apparently not that left-leaning. Because in the United States, if that was a rule, it would imagine the rancor that would cause. Oh, dude, it would cause incredible rancor. And it's it's actually a really fun rule because you get guys like Westerman who are totally elite, um, who qualify as nationals. But then you get guys who, you know, went to the University of Calgary or whatever and maybe are a little limited athletically. And um, they're on the field with these elite guys who are in NFL camps. So... Um, it really makes for an interesting game strategy wise because you have to have X number of Canadians on the field. So um, Westerman gives Hamilton a really interesting national player and they'll have they'll actually have two national defensive ends now, um, which is a really nice advantage for them because that means they can plug in um, American guys at some of the more more skill positions. So um, savvy move. I think it's an interesting move for Hamilton in that they they kind of got rid of the quarterback controversy because I think. You know, every single game, the story was, gosh, if Masoli does one thing that's not spectacular, should we put in Manziel? And and I think that was that was causing him to press a little bit. So I think we'll see a better Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, we'll I was see just Western. looking at it. it. Looks like he's been absolutely shredding this year, though. Just in terms, of, like just tearing up defenses. Dude, he Masoli has, has. He has been. He's been. He's been doing Masoli things. And what's interesting about Masoli is that he's really analogous to. Manziel when Manziel's playing well. So uh, they do a lot of designed runs for Masoli. Um, he's really good at getting the ball out. Um, he's really good when the play breaks down. He so. was a Chip Kelly quarterback, wasn't he? 
he was a Chip Kelly quarterback. He played at Oregon. And, and I think the knock on him was size. You know, he's not real tall. Like Manziel, he's not real tall. So Is he a lefty? Uh, he might be. You know what? I don't remember. Did he take over for Mariota? Or was yeah, it, he came after Mariota. Yeah, because I feel like the guy who came after Mariota was sort of a like a 5'11", stockier guy. But I yep. think he was a lefty, too, which makes me like him even more. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, Masoli's stocky, so he doesn't quite fit the NFL paradigm. He actually is like pretty Baker Mayfield-ish to me. In that Mayfield's a little more stocky than Manziel was and, and obviously can run, can, can throw it. So, um, you know, and Westerman will really, really improve uh, Hamilton's pass rush. So I think uh, Hamilton did a nice job in this trade. I actually think Montreal, um, obviously they fill a need with Johnny Manziel. They also got two starting linemen from Hamilton. So two starting offensive linemen that'll bolster their old line. Uh, I believe both of those guys... No, no. One of them was a national. One of them was uh, an import, an American player. So uh, they get two starters on the offensive line. They lose Westerman. Uh, obviously, Montreal gets Manziel, and he plays tonight. So uh, I don't know if he's going to start tonight or if they're going to, you know, let him, you know, kind of learn again for another week. And then, and well, then given that week. he never pays any attention to playbooks, you can probably just throw him right in there. Dude, that's what I'm thinking. He's such an improv guy. Um, I, I think he gets on the field tonight, and uh, I can't wait to watch. I think it'll be really interesting. So uh, big trade in the CFL. My team, the Montreal Alouettes, gets Johnny football. They've only won one game this year, so there's there's nowhere to go but up for the Montreal Alouettes. And uh, I think this is a, a really interesting move for them in a league that's very – it seems like certain teams are quarterback rich and in that you know, the top two or three teams in the league are kind of too deep at quarterback. And then uh, you had a team like Montreal that was really – you know, really quarterback poor. So uh, I think they get better. I hope uh, I hope Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football plays uh, plays great, and we get to read more stories about him. So um, Piper, though, I want to talk about like how my relationship with the CFL is going to change because of training camp starting in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a little bit like I'm cheating on the CFL now with with the NFL. Uh, I've been such an ardent supporter of the CFL this summer and uh, and last summer too when I kind of discovered it, but. Um, I feel a little conflicted in that I find myself looking at uh, training camp stories and, and kind of being excited about the NFL, too. So, uh, Pipe, what's your what's your state of mind as NFL training camp starts? Are you excited? What are you excited about? Who are you excited to watch, et cetera? I, I the well, first of all, it's one hundred and eleven degrees outside and I'm sweating just <laughs> thinking about it, which means it doesn't exactly. feel like training camp should be starting. It feels like it should be a little ways away, but it is. Absolutely. So the just the impending uh, pleasure of football season is yeah. wonderful. You know, my kids are going back to school next week. My you know football season is starting. This is this is a wonderful time of year. It's it's the most wonderful time of year, especially because Ronnie Martin's not on this podcast. Um, so totally. big big picture, it's awesome. As a Vikings fan, mm-hmm. I you know I'm still I'm still reeling from last year. Um, Dude, really talk about that, man. Because usually training camp kind of signals the the wiping away of last year, the clean slate. Um, everybody's full of optimism. Everybody's team's going to the Super Bowl. Um, so talk about your, your feelings vis-a-vis last year. And do you think there's going to be any like residual hangover effect from the, from the team itself on that? Well, answer the second question first. I don't think there will be a hangover effect because, because, you know, like if they brought back, if they kind of ran it back again, 
it it would be it would be hangover effect, you know, with Keenum and whoever else. But sure. they're they're getting back Dalvin Cook, who missed most of the year, and then they signed. He's such an explosive player, man. He's, that's frightening. He's the reason I'm excited to watch them because that's yeah. pretty fantastic. You know, they didn't really add anybody in the offseason. They basically they brought back their defense. They drafted you know a couple guys who were potential starters. They added a little depth on the O line, but basically running it back again. But then they signed Kirk Cousins, and that's you know so it, when you have a new quarterback, it feels like a whole different team. Yeah. Um, the thing is, they went thirteen and three last year, and it was sort of a sort of a magical season in the sense of it, it, they had a great defense and an offense that was opportunistic and made some plays. And Keenum played over his head, and I'm just I I think there's like a eleven percent chance they go thirteen and three again. I think Dude, it's, I totally agree. I think they're like an eleven and five team, which is really good, but yeah. it's going to feel potentially like a letdown, even though that's still really good. I agree, and I think they caught the rest of the NFC North in a down cycle last year. Yep. In the, well, they, know, the Bears, they knocked Aaron Rodgers out. They knocked Aaron Rodgers out. Uh, Green Bay had a lot of other in- injuries at, at wide receiver and running back. They didn't really figure out until the end, and um, the Bears were a mess last year. I think, you know, not just because I'm a Bears fan, but I think the Bears are going to be a really interesting team this year in that they basically bought themselves a receiving core. Um, they have brand-new players at, at both wide receiver positions and tight ends. Um, Trubisky's a year older, so I think the Bears are going to be much more formidable this year. Yeah, their new head um, coach Nagy is is supposed to be he's sort of from the Andy Reid tree, so a creative yeah. offensive guy, which yeah should be good for Trubisky. They've got good good running game, decent offensive Dude, Jordan lines, Howard, solid Tariq defense. Like they're, they're especially their front seven is really strong. Yeah, they I mean I think they're the worst team in the division. But sure. they could be a seven-win team, you know. Dude, like, they totally could. And totally, and, totally could. And the Lions are, you know, who knows what they are under Matt Patricia? But you have Matt Stafford, yeah. and that means that you can you can put up yards on anybody. You know, you might yeah. turn the ball over, or whatever. They're, they're they're a little inconsistent as well. But again, that's probably a seven to nine-win team. Yep. You know. Yeah, and then, I think it's and, going to be a, a tough division for. And Aaron Rodgers is terrifying because he is. Yeah. I think Brady's the best quarterback in the league consistently. I think Rodgers has the highest ceiling by far. No, I agree. I agree. A great Rodgers game at this stage of both of their careers is better than a great Brady game. You know, I, I think he Brady... Just, he can just make plays that nobody else in the NFL can make. And so that means that, you know, if you're if you're leading you know, 20 to 16 and they're on a, you know, they have 90 seconds left. It's terrifying because they can absolutely score a touchdown from anywhere on the field at any point because Rodgers is nuts. And so as a Vikings fan, I just, I, you know, I feel like it's going to be a rough season. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I think he's fine, but like, I don't think he's that much better than Keenum in terms, especially not given the money. And it's, and then last year was just, we, one of the highest points in my Vikings watching year followed yeah. a week yeah. later by a very typical just getting it handed to him in the NFC Championship game. It's really hard to be super geeked about this season. Pipe, this is an interesting year for you emotionally because I think you know you're in new you're, you're kind of a, you're you're kind of treading on new ground here, and that you have a a good team with like freakishly high expectations i don't like high expectations i'm just i know in life in life i'm opposed to high expectations i like moderate to low expectations so that everything is a pleasant surprise like last year was a delightful surprise absolutely absolutely and this year you know you're going in as the front runner with all these expectations and i just want to be 
I want to be clear about something vis-a-vis our friendship, though, as we move forward with the sports podcast. Um, you know, and, and the audience knows that I do not like Kirk Cousins, but I, I just want to free you, Piper, to be excited about him and excited about the Vikings as the season moves forward, because I will... I will be enough of a pro on the program to be able to <laughs> to be able to hear you. I don't want you to feel like you can't like gush about the Vikings if they if they get off to like an eight no start or, or something crazy like that. So well, as um, a, not here's to, the thing as a Vikings fan, if they get off to an eight no start, I'll be waiting for Kirk Cousins to break his hamate bone or something. Like it's there's yeah. just this, the other shoe is a perpetual thing that drops. Dude, and right. So, I almost even as I say that, I almost think like an eight no start is like the worst case scenario for you. Like you will be, you will be a mess emotionally if they start eight. Right. If if they win two out of every three games, so they go two and one, and then they're four and yeah. two, and six and three, like that, that will feel okay to me because right. like the other shoe is being put off by those occasional losses, especially Dude, right. if there are no catastrophic injuries during that process. Yeah. So if they go like eleven and five, you know, they win the division. Um, you know, that's that's probably emotional best case scenario for you. Um, and, and they stay relatively healthy. So. And honestly, like if, if, if the, if they go 11 and five and the Packers are 12 and four, like it'll, it'll suck to eat a little crow because Packers fans won't shut up. But, yeah. uh, but then they're a wild card team at 11 and five. I kind of like that better. Cause I mean, I would stack them up against anybody in the NFL. I think the Eagles are the clear favorites, but yeah. I'll stack, I mean, I'll stack the Vikings up against anybody and yeah. say they have, they have as good a chance to win. I just don't want to be the favorite. I hate yeah. playing the favorite. I hate playing from in front. That yeah. makes me very nervous. Dude, do you do you sense the perception that like in spite of their Super Bowl victory, the Eagles have somehow managed to like finagle not into the favorite role? I I, I just don't I don't well, sense a I ton think of that's what happens. Hype. Yeah, it, it I think the perception is that they caught lightning in a bottle because Nick Foles was their quarterback. And some yeah. of that is true. Yeah. But then it then you have to remember that Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP level for what thirteen games, something yeah. like that. And yeah. if he comes back, you know, at eighty or ninety percent of himself or a hundred percent by the end of the year, yeah. that team is bonkers talented. And they kept their head coach. They lost. They lost both their offensive coordinators. That yeah. might hurt them. But yeah, but the system is in place. Like they're and and they added Michael Bennett. And right. and didn't lose anybody of note. They're yeah. they're scary, dude. They are scary, and they're just like doubling down on pass rushers. Yeah, you know they're they're just getting like freakishly deep up there. They have so many guys who can do so many things. So I want to play a little word association with you, Piper. I'm just right. going to throw out names of players or teams or coaches, and I want you to respond to them because I think there are some there's some really interesting storylines going into this year. There are some there are some teams that I'm just like beside myself with excitement to watch and I can't remember necessarily feeling that way going into an NFL season for the last few years so um, the first name I want to throw out is John Gruden John Gruden new head coach Oakland Raiders uh, the team's moving to Las Vegas Gruden hasn't coached in a long long time big personality uh, what do you what's your feeling on that I think John Gruden is playing possum Interesting. I just, I just so. encountered some. I, I was another columnist who wrote this. I don't remember who. I wish I could give credit by name. I don't want to steal anybody's ideas. But you know, he's been out of the league, coaching wise, for close to ten years, maybe. And yeah. uh, and uh, the game has completely changed in that time. And so there's this perception, especially given who he's signing. It's a lot of older veteran guys. 
yeah. the way that he talks about establishing the run, which is not the way the NFL works anymore. Yeah. But I think he's playing everybody. Interesting. I, I think I think if you if you go back and watch, you know, his last eight years of, you know, the quarterback camp thing that he's done on ESPN and yeah. his Monday night football stuff, I, I really don't like listening to him talk. He annoys me. Yeah. But the man knows football. He does. And and there's no way that he has missed how football has developed. And he, you know, he's interacted with every head coach. Yeah. Every quarterback, every up and coming quarterback, which means he's also interacted with the college game. And, and so I think, I think that maybe not first year, just because there's, there could be some, there could be some sort of like, he's got to limber up a little bit as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be a really good coach again. Um, Dude, it's, it's interesting. Derek Carr might be the best quarterback he's ever had. I mean, Rich Gannon aside, you know, Rich Gannon was really, really well, Rich good. Gannon, for, yeah. Well, Rich Gannon had a great year, but how yeah, much? Yeah. But he was never good any other time in his career, which makes you think that it, that might have been thanks to Gruden. Dude, Rich Gannon actually like is proof of my older quarterbacks theory, which is I, I think he got better as he got older, um, and he never really got mm-hmm. huge opportunities until he was in his mid thirties, but. Um, you look at the you look at the quarterbacks that Gruden rolled into seasons with um, previously in his coaching career, and it's not an impressive list. No. I mean, we're talking about guys like Sean King and Brad Johnson, and Gruden always got it done with like Brad Johnson's like, another one who got better as he got older. That's it, absolutely, absolutely, and I think Gruden got a lot out of those guys. So it, to me, it will be very interesting to see, you know, what he gets out of a Derek Carr who kind of regressed a little bit last year. So. You know, there was a lot of Derek Carr hype and excitement two years ago, but but last year he kind of came down to earth. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he gets out of both Derek Carr, if he can resurrect Amari Cooper, uh, who was an elite receiver out there a few years ago and, and kind of regressed a little bit last year, too. So that one is going to be very interesting. Um, next team, Piper, Cleveland Browns, a team that I'm very excited about. Big, big roster moves in the offseason. We've got a little bit of Josh Gordon drama. Uh, that broke yesterday or the day before with him not mm-hmm. reporting to training camp on time, which I think is massively worrisome to the the Cleveland Browns community. What do you th- what do you make of this team? Uh, well, on the Josh Gordon thing, my understanding was that he let them know that it wasn't going to happen, so there wasn't a dispute. It was it's it it seemed like a voluntary um, like a, a a therapy kind of thing where he's got to. You know, he. It sounds like he's in an adult, mature way trying to handle his struggles with addiction, and that doesn't mean yeah. that he's relapsed. But I, you know, reading between the lines, I wonder if he looks at training camp and kind of getting back into the NFL life and knows that there are some triggers there, and so yeah. he's trying to get himself right before getting into that situation. So that yeah. it's very, it could be worrisome, but yeah. only in the same way that everything about him is worrisome because he's his career and his, in some cases, his life is kind of hanging by a thread. Um, but I don't know that that means that he's just not going to be around this year. He could come back and do really well. I hope that's the case. He's he's an awesome player, and then also just for him as a person to bounce back. Dude, when he's right, he is so freaky. Yeah, I mean he's, he's like top five in the league when he's right. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's like Terrell Owens with hops. Dude, that was the one I was going to say. He's like a young To, like a young freakishly athletic T.O. Yeah, he's, he's more of a, like, T.O. was more like a go across the middle and, you know, not a jump ball guy. Yeah. Whereas Gordon is a, he can go up and get it. So he's like, he's like yeah. T.O. mixed with like the A.J. Green, go get the ball up high above guys kind of thing. But yeah, he's, he's a monster. Um, yeah. I think the Browns are fascinating. I, the, 
I think everything on the Browns hinges on Hugh Jackson, which is terrifying because I don't know if he's a good coach. I don't think he is. And yeah. I think he will be coaching to save his job, not yeah. coaching to develop a winning team with a pretty talented young roster. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what Tyrod Taylor does there. I've, I've long been a Tyrod Taylor fan. Uh, he put a garbage Bills team on his back last year and, and drug it to the playoffs. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I hope he has his full allotment of, of receivers and guys stay healthy. And, and like you said, I hope Hugh can get out of his own way enough to, um, you yeah. know, to really let that team mature and, and do well. So. I think the best thing for the team and for Hugh is probably to start Tyrod um, yeah. and give him at least half the season, maybe the full season if they're, if they're competing. Um, so that Baker can just, it's a huge adjustment to the NFL game, especially when you have some physical limitations. I mean, Drew Brees, Drew Brees took a couple years to get good. And then again, got better with age, you know, the theme continues. Um, and I think that's sort of like Drew Brees should be the guy that Baker is trying to be. Um, and, and so, I mean, if, if he wants to save his job, if he can, if he can start Tyrod Taylor and go like say three and five in the first you know, yeah. in the first eight games or four and four even. Yeah. And, and then maybe they're on the cusp of a, of a, uh, of competing for a wild card spot. And so they just run it back with him, especially if Gordon's not there, having a quarterback who can manage a game, make good decisions, not turn the ball over, create with his legs. That's going to be beneficial. And then cut ties with him or roll into backup next year when Baker's ready. Yeah. Um, but starting Baker right out of the gates is going to get Hugh fired yeah. Um, and I think Baker's going to would, I think he'll be a fine NFL quarterback, but I think he would struggle. Dude, I totally agree. I think, um, I think that should be Tyrod's team maybe for the whole season, you know, and I think he's going to play well and, and then they'll have some decisions to make, uh, after the season. But, um, pipe, who's the rookie you're most excited to watch? Um, man, I mean, I think the one who is going to make the most exciting plays is uh-huh. Saquon Barkley. Interesting. Just Interesting. I he's I simply because it's now now that NFL teams have figured out how to use multi well I should say most NFL teams the Giants have never been terribly creative. Um, yeah. They figured out how to use running backs in multifaceted ways. It's not just twenty times in between the tackles. Right. I think he's gonna do I think he's gonna do some really exciting things. You know, sort of Kareem Huntish, except yeah. Uh, maybe even a little bit more Alvin Kamara, just in terms of his explosive ability. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. There's there wasn't a ton of offensive players in this year's draft who I was super geeked about. I think yeah. I think it'll be fun to see what Sam Darnold can do with the Jets because he's yeah. it's funny he he's probably that he was probably the highest rated quarterback by most people. Yeah, and he's the one that very few people are talking about because the Jets are just sort of a boring non-entity. But yeah. I, it, a rumor has it that he is just showing out so far and looks amazing. That's what I hear too, man. And I actually think the Jets have kind of a sneaky, interesting quarterback room. You know, they they offloaded Marcus Hackenberg and, and Bryce Petty, I think, is gone too. And they kind of Christian Hackenberg. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg. I was thinking of Marcus Davenport, who I want to say something about here in a minute too. But uh, yeah, they got rid of Hackenberg. Um, Darnold is there. Teddy Bridgewater, your old Minnesota Viking, is there. Um, Josh McCown, who actually played good football last year. I, I'm reading these articles now about like different tiers of quarterbacks, the NFL, NFL NFL.com and NFL network did a big thing on 
quarterback tiers, and they've got McCown in the last tier, but McCown actually played like really good football last year. And for a really terrible team that people expected to go like, oh, for the season, he actually played well. And, you know, it's it's tough, Piper, to pick like a Mendoza line for NFL quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Like, I think once you get past like the top, you know, 10 or 12 guys, um, it's pretty much anybody's guess in terms of who's going to play well and who's going to be in like the bottom tier. And I think think at that point, it's so much a system thing, you know, like Case Keenum is very clearly not a top 15 quarterback in the NFL yeah. <clears throat> talent wise, yeah. but he was put in the, just the right system last year to, to succeed. Will he do sure. the same thing this year? I don't know. And neither did the Vikings. And that's why they didn't pay him to come back. Exactly. I think it's, exactly. and I think the same is true for almost everybody who's, you know, sub Andrew Luck and talent. Dude, right. Andrew Luck, man. What, what's your, what's your thinking about him? So I had, a, I had a great moment with my dad. My dad has a very dry, sneaky sense of humor. And, uh, we were at a, we, we were at TJ Maxx this weekend. Long story. Um, it's because we have wives. So the the, the reason we were at a T, TJ Maxx. Wives, wives not lives? Yeah, we have, we have wives. We're both, we're both happily married. So uh, from time to time, we find ourselves in a TJ Maxx. But um, it was a TJ Maxx in the Indianapolis metro area. And there were like, there was like a clearance rack with Andrew Luck jerseys. And, uh, and we're, we're thumbing through these jerseys. And my dad's like, does it come with an ice pack on the shoulder? You know, like... Is the guy even going to be able to, to, to throw the ball? So I think that's actually an interesting storyline. I think the Colts roster is a mess, but, um, you know, luckily but it's a lot guys, less of a mess than it was two years ago when he played. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's showing signs of life at least. So, um, I think a healthy Andrew Luck makes for an interesting storyline this year. And, and like, where do we rank a guy like that? You know, what tier does he slide into provided he comes back and he's healthy and he's, uh, kind of a, you know, a, a fraction of what he once was. So. Well, he's had such variance in his career because he's, you know, he had a rookie year, which was rookie-ish, you know, showed a lot of promise. Yeah. And then he had a year where, you know, he was MVP level. And then he had a year where he was like, you know, whatever, a 30-touchdown, 20-interception guy and got hurt. Right. And and so he's he hasn't shown for any stretch of time, you know, he hasn't done the Aaron Rodgers like he is an elite player or the Russell Wilson, you kind of know right. what he is. So, yeah, I I I hope he is healthy because because yeah. I like him as a player. He's really fun yeah. to watch. He's sort of Ben Roethlisberger without all that attitude and baggage. Yeah. Um, and in the NFL, is just better when all the quarterbacks are good. Yeah, totally, dude. Totally. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him show out this year. And it's it's interesting to me. He seemed like really good player stuck on a really bad team trying to do too much. So as we bridge into the uh, the NBA offseason, like who's the NBA analog of that? So, like, super talented guy with a garbage team, just trying to do too much in a way that that sort of hinders his development. LeBron um, James. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. That's Even true, more true. so this year because he left Cleveland and went to an LA team that is now worse than that Cleveland team was. I think. Um, it's so true. Especially because so they've signed every head case besides Dwight Howard. Um, Dude, can we talk about that? Can we can we talk about like? how quickly you think that team is going to just come apart. Um, I think it's going to be like one of the, one of the greatest gong shows in the history of sports We're we're like gearing up for that in the NBA with the LA Lakers next year with LeBron. Um, yeah. Just talk about that. Talk I, about that move. We haven't talked much NBA since no. all this stuff went down. Yeah. I mean, I think we recapped the draft and then, and then we took a few weeks off and free agency 
I mean, honestly, not a ton happened in free agency, but there was a there was a, a small number of huge names that did interesting yeah. things. And so LeBron being the most interesting. Uh, first, I don't think it was any surprise he went to L.A. You know, I, I hoped he would stay in Cleveland, but I totally understand why he left because that that team doesn't they're just not very well managed. There are those yeah. who will say that's partly on him because he's yeah. the pseudo GM. Maybe. I don't know how true that is. If he's yeah. the pseudo GM, he's certainly not at the Lakers because I guarantee these aren't the guys he wanted. Um, right. But yeah, but then they got Lance Stevenson. They got Michael Beasley. They got Rajon Rondo. I feel like I'm missing somebody in there. Dude, um, Michael Beasley. What a great, like, super hyped name of, I don't know, five or I, six years ago, okay. whatever that was. I, yes. A full admission of, you know, everybody has terrible sports opinions. Um, sure, sure. I was certain he was going to be better than Derrick Rose. Yeah. Because yeah, I think Rose, Rose went number one, Beasley went number because he was a twenty four and twelve guy in college, and yeah. and it was just a couple years after Durant, he put up real similar numbers to Durant. I knew he wasn't the same oh, yeah. kind of player. What I didn't realize is um, that he also like twenty four and twelve production on the court is equivalent to his production in smoking weed. Like that's <laughs> yeah. he was a, he is an elite pot smoker. And well, so, you know what, and, and and yeah, you you look for that, you know. And so I uh, I, I didn't realize that at the time, but yeah. So th- these yeah. are this is now LeBron supporting cast alongside Brandon Ingram, Alonzo Ball, and Kyle Kuzma, this promising young trio. Yeah. And I just look at it and I go, okay, well, if they had just brought in, if they had brought in like, I, I don't I don't know, like Wayne Ellington and some of these guys who are just like solid veterans with a distinctly decent skill set to put around yeah. LeBron and the young guys. Yeah. That's a team that can they're not gonna beat the Warriors because nobody is, but they're right. they're gonna compete. The young guys can develop, and instead they brought in a bunch of guys who are gonna be a terrible influence, yeah. who are gonna hog the ball, who are gonna ruin development, and like it, LeBron is gonna he's gonna snap, I think. Yeah, I think he is too. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna do the Cleveland thing where at least in Cleveland, he knew he was dragging that team to the finals. Um, like everybody, everybody kind of no nobody had misconceptions about like what they were doing in Cleveland right. and what the, what they were doing was letting LeBron drag them to the finals and then seeing what happens. Yeah, but everybody they just signed has misconceptions that they're better than LeBron. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, everybody <laughs> they signed is like a is is completely delusional as to like what they actually bring to the table. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really really fun and, and interesting to See, watch. Yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with you if LeBron was like 28. Yeah. But what bugs me is that I know that the Lakers' intent is to get another superstar or two alongside him. They're they really gunning for Kawhi next offseason. Yeah. Um, but they're functionally wasting one of the very small number of years that LeBron yeah. has left. Dude, right? It's sand in the hourglass at this point. I mean, the, the only way this the only way this works in their favor is if LeBron sits out half the season, sort of voluntarily here and there. You know, he's like, "Oh, yeah. uh, I have a sore ankle," Be, yeah. to, to sort of save himself. Because the man is thirty; he's thirty three or thirty four. He's been in the league since he was eighteen. Right. He's been in the finals for eight straight years, which means he's played an additional somewhere between two and four full seasons in playoff games, which are even more rigorous than regular season games. Absolutely. So the fact that they're just burning this year makes me sad because he's the best player of this generation, possibly the best player ever. I'm still team Jordan, but yeah. And and they're just wasting the year. And that bothers me. Dude. So if you're the Lakers this year, do you go like full pitch count on LeBron and just like, 
look at the schedule and plan to shut him down for certain games. Oh, and yeah, if you go like full Greg Popovich when Tim Duncan yeah. was 39, and yeah, you just... He, he he doesn't really play the second night of back-to-backs. He sits yeah. out, you know, he'll sit out if, like, you know, Memphis or Minnesota is coming to town where it's like, yeah. ah, that's going to be a competitive, rugged game, but it doesn't really right. matter, and we're not, right. you know, and if they miss the playoffs, so what? They're, you know, yeah. and in the West, there's a shot that they do miss the playoffs. Oh, most definitely. Because it's a most loaded definitely. conference more so now than ever. Exactly. So let's talk about the West. Let's talk about... Uh, a player and a personality that I really like going to a team that I really don't like, um, which is Boogie to the Golden State Warriors. Now, this this just strikes me as like, you know, exhibit A1 of the rich getting richer. And um, I, I just kind of feel like the rest of the NBA should just, you know, take the season off and they should they should play with four teams and they should start the playoffs like, you know, in a few weeks and and just let it play out. Um, this is crazy to me, uh, how this happened. So Here, here's of, why know. I don't think people need to be upset about Boogie going to the Golden State Warriors. Um, okay. if, if, if all you're looking at is Boogie's last two or three years going to that Warriors team. So you're like, he's, you know, skills wise and production wise, mm-hmm. a top, maybe three big man in the league. Yeah. Attitude wise, questionable. Clearly. Sure. Here's the thing. He's not that guy right now. He is yeah. a large man with a ruptured Achilles tendon That's um, true. who took that deal because there weren't – he would have taken a two-year, you know, $30 million deal if that was on the table. Yeah. But I don't think it was from anybody. Dude, let's talk about precedent on, like, big athletes coming back from Achilles. Like, what does that look like? Do, do, we, have, do we have much in the way of precedent there? And if so, like, I, how is it going? Off the top of my head, I can't think of any great examples, but I know that every former player who's a commentator now, yeah, a lot of you know front office people, et cetera, are just they say like that is one of the hardest injuries to come back from. I think yeah. Kobe, Kobe was a was a ruptured Achilles who came back, yeah, and you know he was a shell of himself afterwards. He still put up numbers, but that's because the Lakers let him take thirty eight shots a game. I was going to say that's because he shot like and, every time down the floor. And here's the thing. Kobe was one of the most maniacal workers of anybody in NBA history. Sure. And uh, Boogie is not, to, to put it lightly. <laughs> He's maniacal, exactly. but not the most maniacal worker. And right. so, it, it, yeah, I, I, there's a decent chance that he will never be the same player again. That's true. He's not coming back until January at the earliest. If he does come yeah. back in January, he won't be kind of play himself into shape until March or April. Right. Again, if the thing is fully healed, there's no complications. So it, what this was, was the Warriors spending their like lower level, mid-level exception yeah. on a, it's like, it's like getting a bullpen guy at the trade deadline in baseball kind of thing where you're like, well, yeah. he'll help us maybe in the playoffs. Sure. sure. Um, maybe, but there's still yeah. like, we don't know that. And so they basically, what they're saying is, we like the team we have. If we get something out of him, great. If not, it was $5 million, which in the NBA doesn't mean anything. For Boogie, yeah, it's, it's a, a chance to get in the postseason for the first time ever, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I mean, this, this is a, it's really actually a low wattage move with big names. Dude, right. It's a, it's a, a low risk, potentially high reward move. But even if the reward isn't high, like nobody's really out anything. I will say, I loved the move from Boogie's perspective. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It makes a ton of sense for him. It's a great, like, 
it's a great situation to rehab in, in the sense that, you know, I think it'll keep him motivated too, because, you know, the chance to come back on a, like on a really significant team is, is a big deal. And if he comes out of there with a reputation for working well with the other guys, not, you know, he doesn't, he's not fighting with Steve Kerr. He's not, he's not pissing off Kevin Durant, you know, Steph Curry saying good things about him. That means that if he's 80, 80, 90% of his previous self, yeah. He's, he's going to get a huge contract from somebody. And, yeah. um, you know, whether it's the Lakers or whoever else who have money next yep. offseason, because he's proven that he, he can mesh in a pretty, pretty tight system. Yeah. Yeah. No, most definitely. I think it's a, it's a really compelling move. Pipe, let's talk about one more NBA move. Uh, this is Kawhi to Toronto. And in the same way that, that I explained a Canadian trade to you, I want you to explain, explain this Canadian trade to me. Um, <laughs> we have a, another player that we both really like. I think we both are big Kawhi Leonard guys, but um, talk, talk me through this one. Yeah, this was an interesting one because, it, because there was so little backstory on it. Yeah. Um, it was mostly just confused silence, kind of what, what, where's Kawhi at? You know, all of yeah. last season he missed all but nine games. There was his teammates kind of threw some shots at him. His coach seemed pretty tense about it. There just didn't seem to be a lot of clarity on um, how healthy he is and what, yeah. where's his head at and what does he want out of the game. And so it just became it, it just sort of became an untenable situation where San Antonio couldn't bring him back or he yeah. just didn't want to be there. Yeah. So it so they they flipped him again. They're still not like I don't think anybody knows how healthy he is. If, yeah. if he's going to be 100% this year, if he's going to be 100% this year, Toronto made a great deal yeah. um, because they got a top probably five or seven player in the league. Two, two years ago, he was a top three or four player in the league. You know, oh, yeah, most definitely. Like LeBron, Durant, Kawhi, those were the guys. Yeah. Um, and, you know, former finals MVP, whether or not that was deserved. And, and then they gave up DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertle who is, you know, he's just a nice rotation big man. Kind of, you know, the kind of guy who will play until he's 38 because he's smart and rebounds and is in the right position. <laughs> yeah, Popovich yeah. will love him, you know. Yeah. And uh and then I think there was a there was a protected first round pick in there um which is which is always nice for the team. Yeah. But it's I think it's really interesting for both teams because San Antonio when you lose Kawhi, you don't have any stars left. And right. so we have LaMarcus, who's okay. But yeah. he, that's a team that could be ready to rebuild, but it's the tail end of Pop's career. And yeah. so they don't want to rebuild. So they go out and get a an all-star level guy in DeRozan who's a weird player because he never shoots any threes, or if he does, he's not very good at it. But yeah. he can score, and he, he's, by all accounts, a good teammate, and has mm-hmm. he's kind of built himself into a really good player. Yeah. Um, and you give up this elite guy, but... Nobody knows where he's at. Toronto's in a position now where they have one year to try to get Kawhi to stay there. That's what they, I think that's what they want. But if he walks, I think that's also something they're fine with because they know that a rebuild is coming and it's a lot easier to do that. If your star player signs somewhere else and you're like, well, we don't have any choice, but to, you know, dump Kyle Lowry and then rebuild. So it's sort of a, they sort of hedged their bets and got a superstar at the same time. Yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I don't think San Antonio is going to be any fun to watch this year, though. Right. It's going to be a right. bunch of dudes shooting contested 17-foot jumpers is what it's going to – and then shooting free throws. <laughs> like, that's the entire team. Exactly. Exactly. Pipe, can we talk about, like, 
things that aren't aren't fun to watch. And this is a little bit of a rant that I have, and uh, it, it regards NBA summer summer league. So first of all, before <laughs> I get into this, do you watch NBA summer league games? Uh, no, I watch I watch like the NBA.com highlight videos afterwards just to see kind of who did what. I and I, like, I pay attention to the reporting on it. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah. I'm not going to watch those games. It's like watching YMCA guys uh, or YMCA games of guys who can jump. Dude, right. So, so here's my thing with NBA summer league games. It used to be this sort of like almost fetishistic. Like you would get one or two games like leaking out in a summer, and I feel like. And correct me if I'm wrong, Piper, but I feel like almost as recently as like a decade ago. They were playing these games outside. They were playing in, like, practice jerseys. It seemed like something different. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, there was actually two leagues. One was in Orlando and one was in Vegas. And, right. Uh, but they were – yeah, but they were, they were almost like – think, like, high school basketball camp scrimmages was sort of the feel of it. There was multiple Dude, games going on in, like, a field house kind of thing. And it was super fun in that regard. Like, I remember running across summer league games, like, five or ten years ago and being like, oh, this is cool. You know, like – it felt like a like an inside look at something. So now, I feel like ESPN runs every summer league game. They're in the arenas. They're in like, you know, game game type uniforms. And I just feel like oh yeah, they're like sponsored. It's like these are you know yeah. they, they look like they look like European soccer jerseys almost in terms of Dude, like they the look sponsors. Like European and soccer jerseys, but they also look like NBA uniforms in the right. sense that like. You know, they're of that quality. They're in the arenas. You know, some of the arenas are as full as they would be for a, you know, a marginal NBA game anyway. And, yeah, it just creates this weird effect where it's like I'm never away from the NBA. You know, what I, the NBA is like like an annoying child that, like, won't, you know, give you give you 10 minutes to, like, collect your thoughts in a room. You know what I mean? They're, they're just there all the time. And they're going to be there again when the season starts in 20 minutes. And I just feel like I need summer league games to go away so that I can enjoy the real games. And so that there can be a sense of like a fresh beginning. You know what I mean? When they And they skew fans' expectations so much because... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's if they were viewed like, say, spring training games in baseball, that would be okay. Because spring training is sort of like... It's like the fun warm-up to the season, but nobody's like watching those games you know they're Dude, right nobody's trying to like infer much of anything from those games yeah. you're just you're you're happy those games are there because baseball's been gone for a few months yeah you, you know you know you pay are... attention when, to how your new acquisitions are doing and things like that it's a little different because it's it's the full roster not just the prospects but that's right. one of the things about the nba summer league that's so weird is that it just creates a sense of like super stardom <laughs> for guys who are who are G leaguers, you know, like they're yeah. never going to make it in the NBA, but, but they can dunk all over people in this league. Yeah. And, and, you know, and guys like Trey young, for example, who started off summer league so bad. And yeah. uh, part of me was like, well, that's what I expected. And then of course he settled in and became a really good player and he did really sure. well. But what does that mean? Who knows? Yeah. Because he's playing against a bunch of guys who don't know how to play defense. Exactly. And exactly. It's, it, so it just, yeah, it just, it skews things. It, it, it creates, it creates hype where there should really just be sort of like an eyebrow raise. Like that should be the reaction. Like, huh, that's interesting. And instead exactly. people are, are, you know, Stephen A. Smithing up over, over how, uh, how, you know, how exciting these rookies are or how bad they're doing or whatever. Dude, I know it's crazy. And there, there must be some demand for it or else, you know, or maybe ESPN's just like filling time that would other be otherwise be 
allocated to like the Midwest Poker Tour or the hot dog eating contests or like the fact that cornhole tournaments are on TV now to me is just like that's like a come Lord Jesus moment. You know, like well, there's 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 not much hope for the world. I anymore. blame the Olympics because okay. people get every four years, people get all geeked up about curling, which is essentially just cornhole. It's cornhole on ice. On ice. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, crazy. You can't. Those people are not athletes. Right. They're competing, but they're not athletes. You yeah. know, poker tournaments, the fact that poker has become a TV thing, or it really did during the rise of Texas Hold'em probably 15 years ago. But yeah. uh, like that's how does anybody watch poker on TV? Yeah. That, the, no yeah, the, yeah. It come Lord Jesus is a good response. Burn it all to the ground is a good response. Yeah. Um, you know, just give me play, play replays of like Kenny Stabler's best games or something like just, Dude, totally. just do something besides this nonsense. Something athletic. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, I, even in the early days of ESPN, there was like, you know, they were putting Australian rules football on and it was uh-huh. this weird thing, but at least it was super athletic and guys were like, you know, tackling each other and running a whole bunch. And you're like, I don't even know what I'm watching, but this is kind of cool, you know, and it's, it's ESPN and it's two in the morning. Yeah, like the strongest man competitions were like the, yeah, these, these oh, yeah. huge Norwegians are like throwing tree trunks over their heads and stuff or pulling Mack trucks. Like I don't, I'm not I'm not that interested in the winner of it, but I'm fascinated by the ability of these guys to do that thing. Dude, right. You you get the sense that you're watching athletes, you know. Um whereas yeah, poker, cornhole, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's grim. I think I'm just getting old, Piper. You know, well, I think that's I, the I feel like the basic premise yeah. of this should be if your average viewer can do the same thing these people are doing, it's it probably shouldn't be on TV. I agree. Yeah, anybody can sit and play poker. I mean, like you know? g- things like golf are kind of borderline until you realize the precision with which they play. And you're like, yeah, the average person can swing a club, but they can't do that. Yeah, and all you the know? golfers are like super athletic robots now anyway. So they, they are athletes right. of a kind. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you, you watch. I, they're, they're like super athletic, waspy, hot robots, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. like watching a, it's like watching a 90s like boys boarding school movie, and they're all like Chet Danbury, you know? Yeah, what, what was the name of that? What was the name of that? Brendan Fraser, Matt Damon was in it. Um, Dude, School Ties. School I Ties. That, movie. that was a great yeah. movie, but yeah, it's, it is. I mean, the whole point was that they were waspy white dudes, and then one of them was a, a, a secret Jew. One and, of them was uh, a secret Jew, and, they, and all the other guys were named like, you know, uh, yeah, Chet Danbury. And they, they were all uh, treating the, the Brendan Fraser character badly. That's a great movie. But the funny thing is Brendan Fraser's character could have actually been named Brendan Fraser, and it would have fit right yeah. in. Like, that's the perfect name for that. Dude, it is the perfect name. He could have been one of the, one of the waspy douches, you know. Um, yeah, dude, I feel like the 90s was the king of, like, boys' boarding school movies. You know what I mean? We had a whole spate of them in the 90s, and then we kind of went away from that. So, I mean, it's uh, probably for the best, given the stories that have come out about boys boarding anything since then. But, uh, dude, that's true. Yeah, you know, that's so true. We've lost some innocence since then. It's the end of an era, man, for sure. For sure. And Piper, I feel like we're, we're nearing the end of this program in that we've uh, we've started at Johnny Manziel and we've ended at boys boarding school movies in the 90s. So, you know, Johnny uh, Manziel might have benefited from going to a boys boarding school. Might have kept him on the straight and narrow. He might have. Now, here's a, here's an interesting hypothetical to end the show with. Um, could Brendan Frazier's character in School Ties, who was also a quarterback, could he have kept Johnny Manziel on the bench? Would it have been another Hamilton Tiger Cats type experience for Johnny at uh, if he had gone to the same Tony boarding school that 
uh, Brendan Fraser's character went to. See, I think I think it uh, to to mix my sports movies. Johnny Menzel would have been Sunshine from Remember the Titans, who shows up and Ooh. takes the job. You know, yeah. he kind of he kind of has to wait his turn, but then he gets his chance and and yep. shows what's up. But I think I think Brendan Fraser's character would have been sort of teammate enough to to take a back seat and you know go play safety or something. Dude, yeah, I feel like Brendan Fraser. He was tall. He was athletic. He could run. I feel like he would have moved to tight ends. And, uh, and Johnny Manziel settles in at quarterback, and I, th- I think they would have gone undefeated. That would have been a really hard team to beat. And, and even though he was a waspy douche, you still had Matt Damon who could run the ball, and, and he could do some things too. So that was, that was early Matt Damon, early young Matt Damon. At, and, the, at, uh, the risk of, at the risk of racial stereotyping, it is worth realizing that they were all white dudes, and so yeah. that undefeated would have been tough unless they played in an all-white league. Dude, they did. They played all white like boarding school teams. So yeah, they they would have gotten rolled by a real team, obviously. But uh, but but yeah, for the league that they were playing in, I think they would have uh, they would have been tough to beat for sure. But uh, Piper, all we can do is speculate. You know, that's we'll true. never see that. We'll never see Manziel on the field. Maybe that's Brent maybe Peters. that's your next film writing project. You know, your next screenwriting uh, effort will be a mashup of Remember the Titans and School Ties. School Ties to the the Manziel era. I like it. Call it School Titans or something Ooh. like that. Ooh, I like it. I like it. That's uh, that's got legs, Piper. Uh, but we've done what we always do on this program, and that we've wandered to and fro throughout some sports issues. We didn't get to the Mariners, but we'll uh, we'll get to the Mariners next time. I think. Yeah, baseball so. season runs until um, you know Christmas, so we've got yeah, plenty of time. forever. We got plenty of time to talk about the M's. They've kind of regressed to the mean. They're they're losing a lot of those one run games that they used to be winning, and uh, you know so they're kind of coming back down to earth. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that and more baseball next time. And uh, until then. Uh, do we have a do we have a character name oh, Piper? Do man. we have a player? This always sneaks up I, on me. I think in I think in honor of uh, him holding the job, I think Jeremiah Masoli is a good one. That's a good one, cadence wise too. So we have wandered to and fro throughout this program. Until next time, Jeremiah Masoli. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.